Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to another edition of the Views from the Friend Zone podcast. It's your boy, Real Talk Mall. And your boy, Sensei. You know, what's up, y'all? What's going on, people? Another week of a lot of things going on in the media and craziness. So we thought about having topics that's relevant to what's going on. And our first topic is profiting off of racism. We all know that this country has a huge divide when it comes to racism and how it seems to get worse and worse every time, you know, a person of color is shot down by the police or just killed in a certain way. We get a divide of people saying, oh, if he would have, you know, just complied. Oh, if he wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, it always seems to appear that the response is different are different by people of different colors. So we're trying to look into the more recent events of how people are now trying to profit by the way that the country is so divided. So profiting off of racism. And the first question on that is, how do you feel about racism being used to profit, i.e. such as what we see going on with McGregor using racism to make people further want to see the fight between him and Mayweather? Yeah, I think that is the most current example. Um, but I think not only profit, just well, it, it would be profit too. The presidential election was yeah, that, one that's one of the off of follow racism, up questions. But you know, but yeah, um, with the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight, which is going to be a massacre anyway. Um, I think that's what they have to do. I feel I, not that they have to do. That's what McGregor. That's his go to. Um, and it's and it's the easy, the easy uh, mark, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, I think those press conferences were really entertaining. The first two had me rolling, um, and then I think it was the last one in which he said something about the Rocky movie and it's like with a whole bunch of dancing, dancing monkeys, around, <laughs> and like then that. dance for me, boy, dance for me. What what to me what's dangerous about that is we all know there's always a. a uh, entertainment element of when yeah. sometimes people say things that are catchy just to, for shock value, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that shock value is used to p- promote things, especially wrestling and boxing, those kind of sports where you're trying to sell a main event where people have to actually spend money to watch it versus how you watch a basketball game, football game, those are free. So, yeah. you know, it usually takes a little additional marketing because people actually have to do an action of paying for it. But my thing is, when you take something that's so such a heated topic as racism and like play on it just to hype people up, I think that's a dangerous tool. You don't think that's irresponsible in a way? Um, is it irresponsible? Uh, a lot of people would disagree with my opinion, but I say no. You know why? Because for one, I think we have to embrace this racism. And I know y'all like, what the, what is he talking about? First of all, everybody says racist things. I say racist things. I'm sure you've said racist things. Hold on, hold on. I'm sure everybody has said something racist at one point or another. In the comfort of your home. Not even in the comfort of my home. Or behind closed doors. But as as public figure, (laughs) go ahead. It's been done in multiple, yeah, I see a public figure, you know, because you're being exposed to a mass of people, many more. But it's not just in the privacy anymore. And I would prefer it that way. But what I'm getting to is saying that just because you say racist things from time to time, it doesn't make you a racist. People are so afraid of being labeled a racist. Like if somebody white says the N-word or whatever at a time that they feel comfortable enough that they think they can say it, they're like, oh, really? You're a racist. No, you're not a racist. You might be a little confused and you use a racist term, but... That doesn't make you a racist. You know what? I'm going to uh, differ or, or you know, have a difference of opinion. I think we all say things that are heavily rooted in stereotypes. And I'm okay. saying we say things, we address people sometimes with the stereotypes that's well known. Mm-hmm. To me, when someone's racist, it's more of not only words, but it's attitude, it's actions. It's a cons- for someone to be a racist, to me, it's, it's a consistent behavior versus sometimes mm-hmm. we say things that are stereotypical. We, we you know, the the, the whole uh, so wait, from white, man, white said, man can't... Like, like, do you think he's a racist? I don't think he's a racist. I think 
he's a salesman. He he he's yeah. a showboat, right? So it, he he followed up saying, "I'm not racist. I'm black from the waist down." Is he, he said that, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, he said that because he he's playing on the stereotype that black men are more well endowed than, mm-hmm. than men of other. And that's a, that's a prejudice that we don't mind embracing. You yeah, see what yeah, I mean? yeah. To Some me, that's a stereotype, right? So that, that's why I said that's why I said you know we all say stereotypical things. We all say like you know when we're amongst our friends or we're amongst our peers, we might say certain things about other cultures, or or be like you know such and such behaved in that certain way because that's just how they do kind of thing. Yeah. And to be honest with you. That is never going to change. No. You know what I'm saying? I People agree. are always going to, to, to have those kind of, you know, tendencies. And to me, not saying that it's good to me, uh, it's, it's okay. But when we use it as a tool mm-hmm. to profit off of, like <coughs> we incite people. Like someone, I, I listen to sports radio every day, and someone had called the radio station and said, it's all cool that they're using this kind of, you know. Rhetoric. Or rhetoric. But. It was a black caller. He said, if, if a white boy get too hyped over this McGregor thing and think he could come at me because McGregor's all hype and make it a black and white thing, I'm going to put him on his ass and he's going to realize, <laughs> leave that kind of thing between McGregor and Mayweather. Mm. My, my thing is, you know, the country is extremely sensitive right now. You know what I'm saying? So anytime you say any keywords that use like how Bill, Ma- Bill Maher said, me doing work. I'm a house nigga. I wouldn't be doing work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it, it's how comfortable people are yeah. on saying certain things. And But my thing is, when you're in the public eye, yeah. I feel like you have to you carry have a different yourself. Responsibility. A different responsibility. I agree with that. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not that. even going as far as the whole role models thing. I'm no. just saying, like, you have to behave above, yeah. above, like, you know, th- the low points. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Je- you're going to be exposed to a lot more people, a lot more audiences, and you have a responsibility to conduct yourself in I a certain been, fashion. I would have been equally yeah. hyped if if uh, McGregor was just like, come on, boy. you uh, boy." I didn't like the boy come language, on. right? So scratch that. <laughs> but just like, you know, you mm. soft. You don't fight the kind of men that I fight. You spend the whole, your whole time running around the room and ducking men. Yeah. I look men in the face and I tear them down. I'd have been like, yo, he's talking that talk. Yeah. Like the whole dance for me. Oh, all you like to do but is so dance like monkeys. I hate that. that you got to put it into context. And this is not me taking up for what McGregor said, but you got to put everything in the context. He was asked about um, the Rocky three or something like that. I think the, the reporter or whoever was interviewing him asked him, if he, I don't know exactly what the question was, but it, it had reference to Rocky, yeah. and and he was like McGregor was like, oh, the one uh, where he was dancing around in the gym, or the monkeys was dancing in the back, something like yeah, that, yeah. you know. But it wasn't monkeys; it was, it was black, black men. People. It was Apollo Creed's gym, I yeah, think. Yeah, and you know, Apollo Creed you know? had that soul. Yeah, and to me, it's just like I, I just, the, I'm not overly sensitive about it because at the end of the day, it's not like you know, a politician or someone who has to have a moral compass was using this kind of, you know, vocabulary. But to me, it's just mm-hmm. like, like, to me, it shows lack of intelligence, lack of creativity. If you if you watch McGregor, he always has these crazy um, press conferences and saying all these things and, and things like that. So, but he's usually creative you know, about but it. But somebody said, uh, uh, it was a report I saw or whatever, it's interesting, like, he gets away with that stuff and the way he acts all brash and cocky and, you know, whatever. And But if an athlete, a black athlete, or somebody else acted the way he acted, they would say, oh, look at him. You know, they would yeah. they would look at him in a nasty, in a nasty way. Like he's cocky. Like his, blah, blah, blah. his is considered bravado. Ours is yeah. arrogance. Arrogance. Oh, he has nerves to be disrespect. so arrogant. Yeah. You know, exactly. my money pays for him to live the that's, life that he lives. That's the racism that bothers me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you expect us to act a certain way, you know, when one of yours acts this way. It's viewed it's differently. It's games. It's, it's far, a different term. That's, that's, that's just boys being boys kind of thing. Or, exactly. Or men being men kind of thing. But That's what I don't like. But when, you but know when I mean? an athlete of color shows that same Swag or whatever. He's a villain. Even. Just think about it. They're making Mayweather the villain, McGregor the hero. The Great White Hope. That's that's what they 
playing it out to be. They made a movie about this, though. I yeah. mean, you know but, what I mean? So I, I just think, you know, in this day... Maybe without the exact language that's being used, but it's the same thing. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's, it's someone also said this... Uh, it was funny, like, when Tyson got out of jail and how they was promoting... Peter, Peter McNeely, McNeely <laughs> as like he was really competition when oh he really wasn't. God. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But to me, don't get it twisted. As fighters, McGregor and his sport and Mayweather and his sport are both alpha males. But the fact that you're blending in two different fighting styles suggests boxing. This just fight the, this fight's not gonna be as competitive as people want it to but be. But just the um his little financial uh tip for you guys. If you got like fifty dollars, you willing to just blow? I will put it on McGregor, okay? Just even though I, I don't think he has any chance of winning. Just the return you on that. You never know the what can happen, and I think the odds might be like fifty to one, or, or I don't even know. They might that, be worse than that. That's the beautiful thing about you can make some money. If, combat sports versus <laughs> all other sports, right? Because other all other sports have like you know. Baseball's nine innings, football's four quarters, basketball's four quarters, soccer's two halves, where you mm. have a long period of time where it's just like if you, you make a mistake, you can still like come back from still it, right? Combat Boxing's sport. that two second window, you had your hands down, <laughs> you, get you got out. dizzy from something else, and then the follow up could change the whole game. So yeah. if you do have that money, I, I guess you could throw a 50 or 100. On, on McGregor, McGregor and, and make get a few like G's. $1,500, $2,000 back. I don't know what the numbers are. Now, if it's 50 to 1, I'm just throwing that number out there. And okay. you put 100 down, if my math is straight, ain't that like 5 G's? 5 G's, yeah, yeah. 5 G's. So, and if you put 100 on Mayweather, you're only going to make like $2. Because yeah, so. <laughs> he's the big favorite, but I'm just saying. But to get back to the, the topic, like, is it, you know, is it, just okay that racism is being used as a marketing tool? Uh, because the NRA recently kind of used racism as a marketing tool saying, you know, I think I mentioned it last week, but you know how um, we need to be able to have our guns so that we can uh, combat the people who are protesting about certain issues and stuff like that. And like, protesting is like freedom of speech. Yeah. So now you're now you're, you're you're marketing, telling people like, yo, if you differ, you know, if you have a difference of opinion of people who's you know uh, going against what you feel like, then you should get your guns and go after them. Yeah. And, and nobody <laughs> said nothing because everybody's in the pot. NRA is, is paying everybody. Well, everybody's you know in the pocket. We're become, becoming numb to certain things. Like right now, it has to be. It has to be something done. In a big stage, like with this McGregor uh, Mayweather thing, had to be something said in a big stage with a lot of light on it, you know what I mean, for it to really like reach home, you know what I mean, or be seen as something that's worth even discussing racist-wise. But there's a lot of little things that take place every day. And even in the, you know, um, networks and stuff like that, commercials and stuff, you can always find, I think, a little instance. I remember this one commercial I seen they're not airing it over here, but it was a commercial they were airing in China. O overseas, forget about it. They have no overseas. filter. There's Did you no see the one about the laundry? Yes, the yes. Guy, the black guy who she put in the uh, washing machine. And he was clean now. He became Asian or something <laughs> like that. It was crazy. I was like, wow. This is how you market to your people. But that's just crazy. So, I mean, we, we are becoming a little, is it desensitized to it? Like, we're like, not. Like, uh. Someone, so I was watching something, and someone saying, "Well, it's racist that you guys have BET, or it's racist <laughs> that you know you have a movement of of buying black or black owned." But I'm just like, the majority of everything is targeted towards you. The majority of everything is targeted towards a certain class of non minority. So it's you have be to quiet though. To, to, be to be able to compete in the market, you have to be like, look. Everyone's not going to support me. I at least hope that my own people could support me so that we can have our doors stay open. No black business. I don't care what it is. I don't care what rhetoric is, is around that business. No black business is like, I hope only black people buy my business. I don't think you're going to survive like that. Exactly. But black but. businesses have to be like, you know what? For my doors to stay open, for me to continue to be a business, I'm hoping that my black community support me until I get big enough to have everyone take support a chance me. on yeah, me. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You know and what I'm that, saying? It, so that's not being race. That's not racism. That's yeah. that's using. You know, that's talking into a market to survive no, to keep your doors thing, open. People feel like if it if it doesn't include them, then it's offensive towards them. It's just like the whole Black Lives Matter movement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Black Lives Matter or even pro-black does not mean anti-whatever. It doesn't mean anti-anything. It yeah. just means pro-black. And, and, and I, I want you brought up a good point, and I want to uh, say something about that. It's like p- people combat saying that, oh, the uh, whole Black Lives Matter thing is kind of like, you know, exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just like people don't have an issue of people being pro-white when it's done in a manner of you just, you know, that the whole alienation and stuff like that. If it was just bigging up your own people and stuff like that, nobody would have a problem. But when you start saying, and we got to kill the Jews <laughs> and the N-words and stuff yeah. like that, it's just like, that becomes a hatred kind yeah. of thing. The Black Lives Matter, which is, is kind of going on a tangent, is just like, yo, we, we want you to, to realize it's an issue. Category. Yeah, it's an issue of black people being killed and people not caring. You know what I'm saying? We just yeah. want people to care that you know people are getting killed, and can we have justice for that? But that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. Thing. A whole nother thing. So I want to uh, move on from this particular portion of it, but still, the McGregor thing is still uh, a polarizing thing. So the next question is privilege. Do you think McGregor being a white fighter got him a mega fight he wasn't even qualified for? Because think about it: as a boxer, he has no history as a boxer. To be able to fight, arguably, pound for pound, the greatest fighter in history, I don't believe he is, but you, you could argue that Mayweather at least is top five greatest fighters of all time. Yeah. At least in his weight class, he's the best of all time. He's the best pound for pound, even right now, even with a hiatus of like two years. But a little background to those who don't really know boxing and the sport or whatever, to fight a top fighter, like a champion, um, you have to earn it. You have to yeah, you have, have to rankings. climb the ranks. You have to be a contender. You start out fifth or sixth, then you beat a guy that puts you into the fourth best contender or the third best. You got to work your way up. You see what I'm saying? And then once you're the number one contender, that means you're in position to now get a title shot. That's how it works for normal fights. This is not a normal fight. Yeah. You know? And this is a, a publicity spectacle. But I, I don't think, yeah, honestly... I don't necessarily think it's because the white factor with McGregor plays as much a part in this as it does the whole boxing against UFC uh, issue. You know, so you don't think there's no privilege in it at all because there, there's there's pretty there's, there's pretty good African American UFC fighters who I think would probably be more qualified on hand to hand combat against Mayweather. But I don't know any of those. Like I haven't heard any of the other UFC fighters talk about even thinking of stepping in the ring. I think they're sensible enough to know that that's not their forte and they will lose. McGregor, for some reason, honestly, no. I don't even believe he really believes he can win the fight. But he knew that he he can make money. That bag. He's never seen that kind of bag. They don't get paid nearly as much in UFC as they get paid in boxing. He knew that. McGregor makes more money off out out of the ring than he does in the ring. In UFC, yeah. Yeah. But this is going to be his biggest payday ever because he... He's seen how much money Floyd made from Pacquiao fights and previous fights. And he's like, this guy is making seven figures easy, mm-hmm. eight even, you know. And um, McGregor's over there like, I'm getting low seven. You know, I think he the most he made before was like three million yeah. for a fight. Mm-hmm. And he's like the best in that sport. He's one of the best in UFC. Um, so he's chasing the bag and... It, it those a little extra on it that he's a white boy, but I mean, you know, if he wasn't as good a fighter in UFC as he is, and he wasn't the prime marketing guy in that sport, he wouldn't get this shot, mm-hmm. even with him being white, and even all the stuff he talks. So, he's a top guy in his sport. Um, but ju- I think it's interesting. It's kind of like say the best player in. Uh, What's the subsidiary of the NBA? The D League. The G League. Oh no, let's say Rucker. <laughs> this is this is okay, and this is different. But the best player in the um, the Rucker League or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. If he wanted to go one on one against LeBron, he had no he had no 
People would laugh at people it. People would laugh at There's it. There's no credibility you, for it. But you would be like, if you seen that guy play at the Rucker and he was dominant, you'd be I, like, oh. I think a better, that, a be, a better, uh, better analogy would, would be, be like an overseas league, right? Because Rucker is just like anybody off the street. If I paid enough money and I had cachet, I could get on a Rucker team, be the 12th man, probably not no see light, but there's a chance. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know, a, a, a top cat overseas who's killing... Like Michael Petrius was one time was the Michael Jordan of France. I don't know if you remember that player who played. Yeah, I and like you know, people don't give that kind of cachet to African American. Let, let's let's use UFC for instance, right? Yeah. Even though my man has a a, a drug problem, John, John Bone Jones, Jones, right? Dominant. Shout out to John Jones. Dominant. You know what I'm saying? Great UFC fighter and stuff like that. But they never put, the, even before he got caught for the drugs, they never put the machine behind him the way that they've done for McGregor. And also, um, what's the girl who's got Rousey? the Ra Ronda Rousey? You know what I'm saying? And and there's other there's other athletes in the sport, athletes of color who they don't put that money behind. So um. with with the combat sport, is there is a privilege element to it? I don't know if you remember Ricky Hatton. Oh, I remember Ricky Hatton. Yeah, I, I know. I know the, the female followers. Female, uh, the female followers who don't follow all these sports. We definitely have a topic that's more friendly <laughs> for you coming up. But this was something that was just Ricky Hatton. Really polarizing. He was a, he was a good boxer, but they was talking great. about him. They was talking about like, him. Like, even even let's let's go back to uh, two weeks ago with the the John Horn. Is it Joe Horn, the guy who fought Pacquiao? Joe Horn, Joe and Horn. he lost that fight, but. He won on his decision. You don't think that there, there, there was, was any country, privilege in Australia? Any privilege associated to that decision? Oh, I don't think it's privilege. I just think this is why the sport of boxing has gone down so much it's in the years. It's corrupt, and the judging is absolutely absurd. Because anybody who watched that fight know Pacquiao beat the dude, but um, it was in his country, and you know he fought. He fought tough. But if you look at his face after the fight, it was clear to see he lost. Um, so I think what it is is just like with McGregor, just like with Rousey, if they got a population of people, a fan base that's large enough and loud enough, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They want to push that. Now, you have multiple um, black fighters in UFC or whatever that are really, really good, right? But who do you decide who to push? You know, when John Jones was killing on top, um, not th not to say they pushed him quite like McGregor, like to the masses, mm -hmm. but he was very popular. Mm -hmm. If you knew anything about UFC, you knew who John Jones was. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. And same thing with um, and uh, was it Anderson Silva? Remember the Spider? Yeah, that was my boy. So they pushed him. It's just a different level of push because now you have. A whole culture like he has all of Ireland going for him mm -hmm. with McGregor you know what I mean Ireland's not even that huge when it comes to the boxing stuff like that he just appeals to everyone because it's like we have a great white athlete mm. with bravado and they don't come around too long you see what I'm saying, you know what I'm we, saying? we are I'm just saying it's a fact and most things we're athletically superior because of uh, years of hard work. Let's put it like that. Genetics, right? <laughs> Genetics, right? So um, when you do have a white athlete who shows a superior ability, you know it's a uh, it's a rarity that you know they want to exploit. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's the combination of that and the bravado, right? Because you have Peyton Manning's, you have Tom Brady's in other sports who are who considered the best of their sport, but they're they're more humble. I think. My thing about it is people Tom love Brady is not as humble as you think. Don't give me that. Nonsense. Yeah, he's snobby. He's he's, he's a snobby arrogant. Said, oh, we're only going to score 17 points against the Giants in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. He laughed at that. Yeah. And then he took it out. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, so let's move on to the, the last topic of the profiting off of racism and the oh, ultimate profit off of racism. The ultimate come up was President Trump. Did he use racism to divide America and win the election? Or did you think he just used... Did did he profit off of racism to win the election? Or it was more used as a divide than profit? Um, the profit was him winning the election. 
but um, he definitely used it. He used the divisiveness. He used the uh, rhetoric that he knew would appeal to his base audience and the masses. And um, it was sad to me because I thought we as a country were smarter than that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I thought people were smart enough I, to I'm see through I'm the still BS. Numb. I'm still like, numb to that. People did not. There's some. Listen, and it's not just. Don't think it's just white people or anything like that. My cousin, yeah, is a staunch Republican Trump supporter, and I have more than one cousin. But I'm my cousin Kadar. This boy is I was from Harlem. Say his name, yeah, I'll say his name because <laughs> he's proud of it. He's from Harlem. He will debate you to the death about Trump. Trump this. Trump that. He loves Trump as if Trump is his daddy, and I'm just like. Do you not see through the nonsense that he's spitting to you? I like, think a, another big factor with that is the capitalism aspect of it. People people view as someone who's achieved great financial success as you know what? Trump looks like me or closer to me and Trump has success, he's going to run this country and it's going to in turn make me successful too. They no one I don't care anyone who voted for Trump when I ask him, "Okay, you voted for Trump." What was his platform? What about his platform that, that sold you? He's going to make America great again. <laughs> okay, I got you. Give me an example how. Mm-hmm. Because America's not doing good so right now, so he's going to make it great again. So you didn't give me an example. You repeated the first thing you said. Yes, yes. And that's out Trump 101 because that's what he does. He just repeats slogans that he feel will get people riled up. I've watched his... Um, his rallies and stuff, and mm-hmm. see the things that he say, and there's nothing of substance. There's nothing of substance. It's just a, like a, it's like a, a, it's like in WWE when mm-hmm. the guy comes out, the wrestler comes out, and he's in the ring, and he's like, "I'm gonna destroy such and such yeah. because I'm the the Beastmaster." Ah, yeah. the crowd, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, you, That's I, what it was. <laughs> I just, I just thought, you know, as a country, we would make a much more responsible Yo, decision than that. It's bad. It's bad. You know and I'm what I'm like, saying? Wow, people don't really. And the fact that if you can just look at one person's, uh, one one aspect of what they're running on on their 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 platform, and say, well, I agree with that. So that's who I'm running with, and just ignore everything else they're saying. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because they have one particular area that appeals to you okay you were anti-obamacare and he says i'm gonna destroy obamacare i'm getting rid of it oh i've been saying that for the longest we should do that i'm gonna vote for him no matter what is he talking he's talking about putting my kids in concentration camps he's talking about taking away their free lunch i don't care nothing about that he's getting rid of obamacare i'm voting for him before we leave this topic it's funny that you mentioned obamacare because They've done multiple studies, and I'm not, I, I don't remember the statistics, so I'm not going to spew out the exact number that a, a lot of, a large amount of people in this country were against Obamacare, but was okay with the Affordable Care Act. And it's the same thing. It's just, <laughs> it's just that people started nicknaming it Obamacare, they and did. people hated it. I don't like people, the way that sounds. They, they told people. <laughs> The attributes of the Affordable Care Act, and they said that sounds like something we should do. There's like that's what the Obamacare is. Uh, no. I don't think so. You're, you're you're trying to pull something over on me. <laughs> exactly. We're gonna move exactly, on because that's man. to me it's just crazy, and it, it really bothers me that people can actually try to make money off of making each other more riled up against each other. So we're gonna move on to the next topic, and this topic is more for everyone, not necessarily. Yeah. You don't have to care about sports. You don't have to care about politics. Let me let me take the lead on this. Go one, ahead. Go ahead. Because go ahead. Uh, this is a topic. Uh, ladies, lock in on this one, um, because I can attest to this uh, in many different ways. And we sitting on two different sides we of the same coin. Two, diff- two different when it comes sides. To yeah. But the question that we're gonna pose now is, it's pretty simple. If you like it, when should you put a ring on it, right? Um, you've been in a relationship for quite a while, whatever, whatever. You know, is there a specific time which you feel like uh, it's time to pop that question? I just had a friend of mine. He, um, I think he's been dating his girl for about maybe two plus two, going on three years, something like that. And he, he popped the question. 
and he's been wanting to do it for a while, mm-hmm. but he's trying to get his coins right, yeah. you know, and come correct. So he just asked to uh, to marry him, and she said yes. Also, um, my old college roommate, his brother just popped a question to his girl. Shout out to you, Sean. Uh, congratulations on that. Um, and then we have my boy Marv here, who's been married for what? Eight years. Eight years. Eight years, going strong. I love it. I like it. Couldn't make it myself. <laughs> but uh, so. so the question being, yeah, when is it right? When is the right time? Um, or if you like it, when should you put a ring on it? Yeah, so, All right. We, so the question was, you know, sub question was, how long should people date before they they get married? It was the first sub, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to say it's funny because the topic, if you like it, when should you when should you put a ring on it, right? So Beyonce made the popular song, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny because Beyonce. Is like real royalty in this country. So if she says something, people find a way to be like, "That's law," you know what I'm saying? Or that, <laughs> or that's how I should follow. The beehive. So better get in line. You know, she'll, she'll, you know, on a t- real quick tangent, she'll tell you like, you know, oh, leave him, kick him to the curb, girl. You could do better without him. But she, she went through her own stuff in her relationship, and and she stayed. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I wonder yeah. if they did a study, how many women kick their men to the curb because of the influences of Beyonce's movements <laughs> while Beyonce stayed with her man. But that's a whole nother topic now. How long should you date before you propose? I think a big factor of that is where you at in your life. In your life. People people put a quantitative value to how long you should date before you propose. Like me, I literally dated for a year before I got married. And I got married at 25, turning 26, which was pretty young. I think some people be like, oh, that's crazy. You need to know someone for like five years. And I feel like yeah. five years, if you guys are 20 and then you dated for five years, I could get it. If you in your 30s and you dating someone for five years, to me it's just like you should have enough life experience or experience in relationships to decipher things for five years. This oh, is, yeah, you should be able to decipher who that person is faster, right? Faster Figure than five out. years. To me, oh. to be honest with you, I'll answer the question like this. If you're under the age of 30, ideally you should date someone for at least two years before you decide to get married, especially where you're at Definitely. in life. Definitely. Especially where you're at in life. Years. To me, if if you're over 30, it, it just, it just got to make sense to you. You got to understand what you want. You got to understand what the person is bringing to the table, and and then go for it. Because I, I feel like people, you know, especially in our cultures, people date for like 10 years. They have kids, they cohabitate, and then when it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to get married. I'm like, dude, you've been technically married. What, what's going to change? Bruh, do you got a minute? Yeah, no, it's, it's can, your turn. Can, 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 we, can we give me the floor it's, for it's, a minute? It's your turn. Go ahead. Just give me the floor for a minute because yeah. I got a lot to say on this. I have a lot of different views on this because of my experience, all right? Mm-hmm. I'm a divorcee. I have been married. Um, legally, I was married for like seven or so years, but we were separated for like five of those years or whatever. Uh, so it was tough. Um, did wow. I get married for all the right reasons? I would say no. Did I love... My wife, um, yes, I did. We had a daughter together, um, and it was it was just a situation. I don't want to go specifically into all the details, but um, she was her mom wasn't Beyonce, but her mom was a strong influence in her life, mm-hmm. and I thought it was too much. So she wouldn't move. I had got a place for us, you know, and she wouldn't move with me. Um, bring my daughter and move in with me um, until we were married. But that wasn't her decision. That was her mother's decision. All right? So that was like one demerit I put on there that I never said. You know what I'm saying? But it was already in the back of my mind. But anyway, even after that, we ended up getting married. She ended up moving in with me, and we had our family going. But I was young. I was, uh, what is it, 05? I was too young. Let's put it like that. I think it was 20... I can't do my math right now. That's probably 23. I was 23 when I first got married, and it it was definitely too soon for me. So um, it didn't work out, you know, but I would say, and I knew her my whole life. 
So there wasn't anything that I didn't know about her and the person that she was. And I still made that decision. Um, so I even told her before, like, if I was at a different place in my life, this would have been perfect. But when we decided to make that move, it wasn't right. So that's the thing, too, I want to p- p- point out. No matter how much you are dating somebody or how long you've known them or whatever, you have to be right in your life. It has to be the right point in your life for you. Like all those aspirations and things that you want to obtain, um, you may want to figure that out first because when you get into a marriage, it can sometimes uh, distract you from those things and, and, and uh, cause you to lose sight of who you are. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about a marriage, too. Some people get lost in it. It's a union. So. Yeah, it's a union. And now it's not just you. It's you and this other person. Mm-hmm. And But you don't want to lose yourself within it. So first things first is know who you are as a person I before you join up with someone else. Because, you know, even as a married person who, uh, who's who been married for eight years, you know, you have your ups, you have your, done, your downs. I think the thing that made, you know, that allows me to continue to be married and stuff like that it's like you kind of have to have an understanding of what's our goals together what's my goals separately Mm -hmm. and and don't lose sight of both you want you want to make sure that the goals can go hand in hand but at the same time you don't want to lose all your goals in 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 support of the goals of the union and then you'll have regret at the tail end you know what i'm saying so you definitely need to know yourself what else um Otherwise, what you said earlier about in your 20s, you should um, date somebody for at least two years before you met. I, my thing is, not it's not necessarily a time frame, mm-hmm. but I would live with somebody before I married them. Yeah. You don't really know you don't really know who you're dealing with until you wake up next to them. You go to I, sleep I did, with I them. I dated my wife for six months and then we lived together for six months. Okay. And then we got married. Yeah. So even though that year is a short time, I, I was able to live, I, I did have that living together mm-hmm. for a couple of months. And it still was a short sample size, but it's like I didn't marry her. Then we moved in together. Then I realized, oh, shoot, kind of stuff like that. And I still need to work on things, you know, being more tidy, being more helpful around the house kind of thing. Even though we have eight years together, but you know, we kind of developed systems. She's probably used to it. She's probably used no, to she's it. She's not used to it because she'll still, <laughs> she's still get still in my complain, ass about but stuff. But but so, but you got to develop systems. But so it's not cookie cutter. Every you know everyone feels like mm. you should do you know oh if he's dating you for such a such a long, a certain mm. amount of time that you know a ring should be. Well, one more yeah. thing. It's not necessarily about that because not everybody looks at marriage the same. Marriage is the 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 bond. That's the next question. Well, go ahead. Yeah, the, that that society has put together that you know it's just. A necessary thing it's more of a business if you ask me because mm-hmm. it's about protection and something happens to you your spouse has to be protected so it's easier if that's your wife and not just your girlfriend of a really really long time mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't get married and have very successful relationships but for some reason marriage changes it changes people mm-hmm. not just the women but mostly the women but people change <laughs> marriage. It, it changes you know both. I mean? it, it changes both um you know the second question of this topic is, does marriage still mean what it used to be? And that's why I kind of said, you know, we're going to get mm-hmm. to it. Like you said, marriage is a legal doctrine, right? It is something to protect people. I don't think... It's a business agreement. I don't think Where love we, is we value marriage <laughs> the same way that we used to. Marriage now is like a cell phone contract. You're like, you know what, I'm going to give it a year or two, and as soon as I'm not feeling it, I break that contract. I don't think people put the weight and severity into marriage. Let me tell you something. You know why? Think about it. Back in the day, where women weren't as independent and uh, self-sufficient as they are these days, it was different. You married into either you really married for love because y'all was both broke, or you married for economics. And y'all was really, y'all was really in love with each other, and y'all didn't have a pot to piss in. So you didn't have to worry about no prenups or nothing like that. We ain't got nothing, but we got love. Let's get married. Let's mm-hmm. build together. Mm-hmm. Or you have a very successful man who who, is who needs that trophy. Family is well off. Yeah, she need to come up. Or her parents trying to give her away to somebody, and they mm-hmm. want to give her away to somebody who can take care of her. That's one aspect. And, and it's, it's you funny know? you say that, right? Because we people think nowadays 
marriage is a contract or is a business. Marriage has always, always been, been a business. business. Always been. That's why there's so many arranged marriages till till this day in different yeah, cultures. In different cultures, exactly. But it's more difficult today because, um, not to say you can't get married just for love these days, but you got to think about all the other stuff that's involved. And, and women have, uh, you know, started to become much more of a I don't want to say factor, but they're they're just so independent yeah. <laughs> as where they weren't before. So it's like a man has to understand, you know, and I think a lot of times men not are intimidated, but there's certain women that they feel they can't uh, uh, have, you know what I'm saying? So they'll settle for a certain woman that gives them time of day, whatever, whatever, yeah. but they may... You know, they may go down a I, level from where they actually could be. <laughs> I think we, I think both men and women, a lot of times settle because marriage, for mm-hmm. some reason, and and I don't, I wish we had a, woman. we were supposed to have a woman guess, but it didn't work out. But I wish we yeah. had a woman to combat her thing. Because when you have, whenever you have too much <laughs> testosterone <laughs> on a topic, people are like, oh, that's just men talking. Yeah. But I feel like marriage has also become something of a achievement than necessarily something that you know people really truly believe in like of joining of love like some people feel like you know what i have success in work i have financial success now i need to get married so i can say that my life was complete not mm-hmm. necessarily i'm looking for the I'm love of my life life. but i need to be able to say that i'm so successful look at me not only do i have success in econ- you know econ- economically successful financial successful or even <laughs> educational goals I also was successful enough to be married mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and to be honest with you I don't I I don't think marriage is, is an accomplishment I have so many single women smart beautiful good careers and stuff like that and they're just like I'm so depressed I'm not married you know what I'm saying? Like, but you're enjoying life. You travel and stuff like that. Whenever, well, whenever they feel you get like a people chance, people look at them like, "Yeah, you got this and the third, but you're not married. You're not married. And Something wrong with you. It's old school thinking. It's old Something wrong thinking. with you. Anybody ever makes you feel bad because you're not married? Just evaluate their life and see if marriage was their their the pinnacle of their success. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Marriage should be about joining. You do marriage because you love this person and you want this person to feel secure and realize, mm-hmm. look, I love you so much that I want you to know it's us two and that if anything happens to me, I want to be able to pass on what I have to protect you and have you keep going forward. And eventually, you introduce yeah. children into that. And then you think about it. Yeah. When you talk to married people more and more, it's like they make you not want to get married. Yeah, they do. There's no way it's- Oh, it's so great. Me and my honey. It's be like married, uh, married people complain, but then yeah, they say, complain. "But I love them." Yeah, <laughs> but I, you it's know. more complaining than anything. You know what I'm saying? But to get back to the um, previous topic, there was something I wanted to say about the age thing. What I'm finding out from my experiences is in your 20s, there's not nearly as much pressure, or it's not nearly as much of a thought. And I'm thinking from the male personality, a male point of view. Um, to get married at, in the 20s and whatever. I don't know how much women think about it. I'm sure they think about it a lot more than men. But in your 30s, what I found from dating in my 30s, it's heavy on women more so. Like, you know, they really feel like, uh, I need to do this. You mm-hmm. know, not only are they biological clocks ticking, but yeah. that bridal clock is ticking. But, but and they... Okay. And they start to like they really start to doubt themselves and who they are and, and think and like it's crazy because I'm telling you I I'll, I'll complain to people like you know I'm going through something where I'm realizing like wow I got into the financial industry like the big bank kind of later in my career right I didn't I didn't get in until 2013 mm. so now I have colleagues that are higher levels than I am I have bosses of bosses who are younger than me and it doesn't bother me I just realize everybody's you know, career path is different. Mm-hmm. So I take it in stride. I do think to myself, man, I'm at this level and people that are younger than me, even people that I used to like who got into banking before me, they're like high levels and I'm still on like a, 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 
a more junior level. And I say that to say this. I start to tell people, like, man, I really got to, you know, switch up and do things. Some people be, and some, some of my female friends be like, but Marv, you're married. So I should be content <laughs> in life. Everything's great. Because, right? okay, you're not where you at, where you want to be economically. You're not where you're at when we at financially or even career goals. But you're married. So, like, I reached some kind of pinnacle of success. They probably feel like finding somebody and getting married is more of a challenge than even reaching that level of success in their career. Yeah. So it's like you've reached this level as far as marrying somebody. So you've done something that's just is just amazing. Like this stuff in the career is not nearly as tough. Which is crazy <laughs> to me because I tell people like I'm legacy chasing. Mm-hmm. That that is my my thing every day. I I make decisions because I want to build a legacy. I don't have children to pass on a legacy, but I I I want it to be like damn. This person made a difference somehow, some way. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that's why I chase trying to build a business, trying to have that mindset, trying to you know hopefully build a a, a black business that helps you know people in our communities. That's that's what I'm chasing. That's just like. Once I got that, that's going to yeah. be success. But, you know, some single women are just like, don't worry about all that. You married. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just think people lose sight. Or marriage should be something that, you know what? If you found love but you didn't find marriage, that's okay. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But people feel like if you don't have the validity of marriage, then it doesn't mean it doesn't mean as much. And people feel like they're more protected when they get married. You know, it is not. a protection because I know, I know, I know people from other cultures who like they just get together and they cohabitate for such a long time and then when their spouse dies none of the retirement transfers oh, yeah, over to yeah. them that's none of the insurance transfers over to them because even though everyone knew that they you feel, guys were together but I'm saying never they feel like that. their relationship is more protected yeah. alright you know what I'm saying I think more husbands cheat than boyfriends tell you the truth <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think nah, it's equal. Not. No, no, think it's equal? that's a strong point. But I think we make more of a bigger deal when a husband cheat versus when a boyfriend cheat. Because because yeah, a boyfriend supposed to quote unquote get all of those things out of his system before he Becoming puts the ring on. Husband, yeah. But if if the marriage if the relationship doesn't change with the ring and it's still lacking in certain ways, married men go looking. For certain kind of satisfaction that they're not getting a lot mm-hmm. of time. I think married men cheat more because something's missing, where boyfriends cheat more because they're like, yo, I'm not technically committed Maybe to nobody, so I can still go out there and play the And pill. I think it's because married men is probably like, I definitely love my wife. I'm not leaving her. Exactly. But I do need this other I do thing. Have some fun. A boyfriend will be like, well, I'm not getting it here, so let's just end this relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. And y'all can. Sp- split ways it's not that easy when you're married to just split ways and you gotta so do you and, and that's why to be honest with you the, the one beautiful thing even though married people complain I'm a married person I know I complain my wife probably complains I know she complains she just <laughs> doesn't necessarily always complain to me but I say that to say this marriage when you honor it makes you fight more you know what I'm saying there's been plenty of things what you mean you fight each other no, more no oh you, I'm glad or you fight did. for it. Man. Fight for it. More. I'm glad oh, you okay. did that because I would have left that statement out there and <laughs> people would have like, been what? like, what? <laughs> but because it's just like you made this commitment. When my marriage was tough, when I was really young into the marriage, yeah. where it was, it would have been easier for me to run. I'm like, yo, I made this commitment. I watched my parents go through everything and stay married. And I'm just like, yo, I got to fight for this. You know what I'm saying? I love this woman. I, I was in love with her enough to put a ring on it. So I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to work with them, communicate. When you're dating, someone gives you problems. I'm like, yo, I don't got no kids with you. We don't own no property together. Peace out. You know what I'm saying? But when you're married, yeah. you're just like, yo, think about it. You know what I'm saying? So that's one benefit of marriage that, you know, that I appreciate. I want to get to the last portion of this topic before we move to our new topic. And is does dating too long prevent you from getting married? It's like if you're already getting the benefits, why make the commitment? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's a tough one. That's a tough question. I, I'm, uh, and this is why they call me friends. So I agree that dating too long, you know, prevents you from getting married. Even, even people like even with the engagement thing, right? Some men are pressured into marriage, so they do the engagement thing. I. I've been dating her for two and a half years. She's giving me pressure. She's getting no, antsy. Engaged. I put a ring on it. 
to buy me another two and a half years. Or what's <laughs> and I don't read long engagements like that. I feel like you build more opportunity for something to happen for you guys to break up when you engage for a long time. I, everybody's finance is different. Everybody mm-hmm. makes the the whole wedding thing a financial thing where it's just like it's, I need a big wedding, so you need to build That's up. About kind the of woman. Thing. My thing about it is like you you put a two year engagement out there. You gave a window for a lot of things to happen. You get engaged, you get married shortly thereafter, if it's possible. I would rather, uh, you know, this is me putting my own opinion out there. I would rather us get married in City Hall, be married, and then work towards having that ceremony that you want to have. But we're already solid, solid. Mm-hmm. As, as a married couple. Then, then saying, I propose to you today, and in two years we'll get married. What do you think about that? I think dating too long gives you that opportunity to be like, you know what? Uh, you you start weighing negatives more than, than anything. You start yeah. saying, you know what? I you, want things to kinda, be perfect if you date You convinced me right there in what you said. Because so, I, I was on the fence with it, but I, I would agree. I think once you are ready to make that move to propose and she's ready to accept, y'all are ready to get married mm-hmm. all right so whether it be tomorrow the day after the proposal or like if it's really about the union and not that show because who's a wedding for a wedding necessarily friends some people said a woman friends and family stuff like yeah. that. that's a show for other people mm-hmm. you you're doing this whole big song and dance to 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 quote unquote shit on people people don't talk like that but to like oh it's the most special day in my life granted but to be married all you need is that certificate that that you know yeah. official, it being officiated and that you're married and stuff that like understanding that. Between that you show, too. like to me, more black people hustle hard to get money up for a wedding than they do to buy their own home. So Facts. many people spend fifty k <laughs> on a wedding and mm. go back to renting and don't have a down payment to put up and end home up down. divorced. <laughs> well, with the whole spectacle thing. Um, Shout out, shout out to my... To I know my, people have beautiful weddings. My little brother had a beautiful wedding and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying, to me, it, that wasn't a big deal to me because it's just like, you know, who's that spectacle for? It's for the friends and family and the wife. The wife wants to feel appreciated. The bigger the spectacle is, you know, it's her day. Mm-hmm. She may not get another day for years after that, so it's her day. Mm-hmm. But um, oh, shout out to my cousin, Thea, who... Had a big spectacle. Congratulations, Thea Thea. and a day. No shade. No, no shade. No was shade. No your shade. wedding. This is my they, own perspective. They got married this weekend out in Jamaica. That's where um, Bacardi Dark is right now. He was out there this weekend for the wedding. I didn't get to make well, it, but I apologize. Shout out to Bacardi Dark. That yeah. my wife told me like y'all, y'all didn't mention Bacardi Dark till married late last episode and the same thing happening so shout out to Bacardi Doc you know he's you're here be in, in the spirit building get, but he, yeah, he got a lot going on so he was out in Jamaica for the wedding and um, that's a beautiful thing them doing it um, out there in Jamaica with the friends and family or whatever you got married in Jamaica right yeah I did I, I, I did it I'm still mad about it. that because I wasn't there No, nobody <laughs> was there though I did it I did it very economical like we was going on a trip to celebrate our one year anniversary I proposed. I planned a wedding while I was out there. We also had a couple of days for a honeymoon. Yeah. This, this that one trip did so many beautiful things for I us. I think that's part of why my marriage didn't work out. You know, I never had a honeymoon. But you need the honeymoon. Yeah. To but consummate the marriage. All right, so we, so I will close out that saying that you know, my opinion is dating too long gives you too much time to. To decide, okay, you know, this is not for me, especially when you get engaged after a certain while, and then you go on a couple of years engaged. What, how, how would you close that out as far as dating too long? Do you agree with dating too long prevents marriage or not? Um, it's not beneficial to, to, to marriage. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say necessarily it prevents it, but it does give um, more, it gives opportunity for more things to go wrong, more questions to arise. You know, when you been with somebody if you were somebody for um let me say seven plus years mm-hmm. and you don't think or you're not sure if you're ready to marry them then you maybe you need to move on and find somebody else you know what i'm saying i would say find somebody else who you know because marriage is not something that you want to be iffy with 
you got to know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to move on to the last topic. We're going to have to wrap it up. We kind of over went on yeah. other topics. We're going to so touch on something. And then we'll, we'll, we'll probably bring it back up in later episodes. Yeah. We'll so just touch on something. The next topic is, is something that's very interesting. We wanted to have a professional who worked in the industry, but unfortunately we wasn't able to have her. We'll try to have her another time. Mm-hmm. And it's the war on prescription drugs, right? Nowadays, everybody's pill popping. Not everybody, but a large people are pill popping. You know, people are Zanny heads, Vicodin, all kind of craziness and stuff like that. Molly Percocet. Exactly. Right? So everybody seems to be a pill head and stuff like that. But why isn't America crying? The war on prescription drugs. Why isn't our president coming out saying the abuse of prescription drugs is hurting our communities, this, that, and the other, the way that the 80s with the Reagan the, the Reagan wars, mm-hmm. followed up by, you know, Bush, followed up by Clinton, the war on drugs, this is your brain on drugs and stuff like that. We're abusing prescription drugs the yeah. same way. So yeah. why isn't America waging war on the prescription drug abuse? Because it's the drug of choice in America. It's the legal drug of choice. The pharmaceutical companies is making a killing. Exactly. All right. And, and, and we gotta call, we gotta a, call them out like that, right? Because yeah. big big pharma, pharmaceutical companies and stuff like that know the addictive nature of their drugs. Yep. And still are allowed to push it. The limit. The lim- They they try to put in. In rules to monitor how much you know prescription people get and stuff like that, but people are still abusing these drugs just mm. as easily, and and no one's going to jail for it because the people making the drugs are quote unquote professionals mm-hmm. and, and profiting off of it, and the people who slinging the drugs <laughs> are quote unquote professionals and profiting off of it. Yeah, my friend, uh, she's a pharmacist, and I call her. I said, "You're just a legal drug dealer." You're a drug dealer. You deal drugs, but on a legal level, and um, I think it's it is getting out of control. Um, but at the same time, what are you gonna do? Because they have a system in place where you have pharmacists, you have doctors who prescribe these drugs that help you, whether it be pain medicine or other types of you know medicines, morphines and stuff like that, that help you with your injuries, but they are very addictive in nature. You know, and then once somebody the side effects for using one drug gives you other stuff. But my thing about it is I think because the people who are abusing these pills also don't look like a certain way. Mm. So America's just like, ah, let's not make Mm. people feel about it, bad about it. It's the same thing like we would talk about cocaine and crack. Yeah. They the war on drugs was a crack it was a attack on crack which was the predominant drug in the 80s in the uh, black communities but hollywood and all was those other cocaine. people was doing coke like you wouldn't believe but coke wasn't the target even though crack and coke are the same thing they just cook one's cook. cooked one's not um the difference is who's using it you know who do we want to target so i think the prescription drugs you know so I, w- I w- I'm gonna ask one last question. We give a comment on it, and then yeah. we'll we'll close Wrap out. Wrap it up. Are doctors the new drug dealers? <sighs> because a lot of powerful people have connection where it's just like, oh, go to this doctor, tell him you have such and such pain. He's not even gonna evaluate you. He's gonna give you a script. Doctors are the, the they, I won't say new drug dealers. They've been the drug dealers. But I think what's even more concerning is the addiction to like the plastic surgeons. We're gonna touch on that in a future oh, yeah. episode. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be. I, I, I do think I, I do think just like if all professions you have good doctors and bad doctors, but I know there's a lot of doctors out there who the real way they make their money is their scripts. Their scripts, right? You know what I'm saying? Yep. Alright, so we're gonna wrap that up. Thank you guys for you know coming through and watching this podcast and I know it's summertime so some of you guys are probably going to watch it on demand later on but continue to Just support check us out what's man. your view for the week before we get out um my view for the week always is a reflection on uh my life and things I went through so I had a rough week but um get through it you know what I mean strive to be great every day you know I had a lot of bad situations take place in the last couple weeks man I lost some people in my family um my cousin Jackie had passed away. 
Uh, St. Martin, Martin you know, so I just want people to emphasize on living life to the fullest, man. You know, we all got struggles, we all got to grind and work, but, you know, find time to enjoy this life because you only get one, man, so just I'm going to keep mine short and sweet, like I said during the um, podcast. Live for a legacy and not for likes. And I'm saying, just think about what I just said. Live for a legacy, do your moves for a legacy, not just for likes. And I'm saying, because likes... One second after someone likes whatever you did, they like peace out. So that's another episode of Useful and Friendless on Podcast. Join us next week. Thanks for the love. We out. We out of here.